is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuned in to the new TNN. The journey continues here on the new TNN. My name is Johnny C, and welcome to part one of Starman. Negative two and a half, as Jim Ross would say. Welcome, everyone. Of course, you're listening to the new TNN podcast feed, and this is Starman, the show where we live the journey of Dave Meltzer's worst-rated matches of all time. We started with one and a half. We went to two. It took a real long time to get through two. We blew out two and a quarter in just one episode, and here we are at two and a half. I think there should only be two of these bad boys, which is fantastic because that means things are getting worse, which hopefully means things are getting a bit more comical. But for some crazy reason, it's your first time. Let me briefly, and I do mean briefly, explain what it is we do here. We watch the matches on Dave's list, worst matches of all time, Uh, I gather evidence, bell to bell, and then I report back to you, the listener, is it guilty or not guilty of Dave's star ranking? And that's it. That's what we do. Now, today, we're coming at you with a special episode. Well, they're all special, aren't they? But you would have heard some fun music up top, which would have given you a little bit of a clue as to uh, one of our shows that we're covering. It's three matches. Three matches... From World Championship Wrestling, from three completely different eras and times, time frames in their history, uh, which are so interesting to actually watch back to back to back, in my opinion. The first match comes from the NWA Southern Wrestling era. Then we're pivoting to the, well, we're trying to figure it out. We're almost there era. And then finishing up with the, well... We figured it out, and we watched it all slip away, era. So, without further ado, let's get to match number one. Uh, Here on Starman, we always like to give as much context as possible to the matches that we watch, because after all, we're watching these things in a vacuum, so it's best to understand what's going on so we understand any stories that these uh, independent contractors try to weave into the narrative of their matches. So, it's 1990! And it's time for Capital Combat 90, Return of RoboCop. Folks, I love RoboCop. First R-rated movie I ever saw. And and RoboCop, the first one, is just a tremendous film. Like, it really fucking is. And I'll fight you to the death over it. Uh, It's brilliant. It really, truly is. It's an amazing portrait of America. I I, I stand by it, alright? Now, the only thing I need to know about this encounter... Is, is Capital Combat 90 canon to the RoboCop character? Am I to believe that in between stabbing Clarence Boddicker and killing Dick Jones in 1987, before he takes on super drug known as Nuke in the summer of 1990, is this RoboCop character the one who uh, will hunt down and stalk his wife at the beginning of RoboCop 2? Is this the same RoboCop? Are we to believe that in the beginnings of RoboCop 2, when RoboCop is patrolling the streets of Detroit looking for the nuke uh, drug cult, 
Is he just returning from a trip to Washington, D.C. at the bequest of his best buddy, Sting? Stinger, I've got to get back to old Detroit. There's a new drug in town. Nuke. I don't know, but I'm going to pretend that it is. But unfortunately, fans, Robocop, aside from my little intro there, has nothing to do with this match. You see, it's a battle of brains as opposed to brawn. It's a battle of non-billionaires, hair versus hair. It's the, believe it or not, second appearance of Ted Theodore Long. Oh, wait, that's Ted Theodore Logan. Uh, Just Teddy Long, that is. And it's Teddy Long versus Mr. Dotcom himself, Precious Paul Ellery. Now, we're at the D.C. Armory in Washington, D.C. Really uh, shilling out for these uh, nice buildings here. Uh, And before our contest can begin, the new TNN's favorite over-explaining ring announcer, Gary Michael Capetta, has a few pieces of information to share. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we would like to acknowledge the winners in the Capital Combat 90 sweepstakes. They are Mr. and Mrs. Robert Banner! Now, we cut to ringside, and Mr. and Mrs. Robert Banner, uh, folks, as their namesake may imply, they are absolutely radiating with 19 1990 Gamma Energy. Uh, They're a middle-aged couple, uh, which would explain why they're chosen to be introduced as Mr. and Mrs. Robert Banner, as opposed to Robert Banner and his wife, Deborah Banner, or whatever the fuck her name is. She kind of looks like she might be a Deborah, Um, you know, because he just, and it's the South, so I guess he just owns her. Um, they're a middle-aged couple, like I said, uh, Mrs. Robert, well, I'll tell you, folks, she's got the biggest glasses I've ever seen. Mr. Robert has a big old pack of Marlboro Lights in his breast pocket, and he looks like the type of dude that requests the Christmas tree gets put up in September. And I'd love to know what inspired a Mr. or a Mrs. Robert Banner to enter the Capital Combat 90 return of RoboCop sweepstakes. Perhaps Mrs. Banner has an unhealthy sweepstakes addiction, and she enters everyone she sees at the magazines that I'm sure she purchases in the checkout aisle at her local grocery store in 1990. Stereotype! Yes. Yes, it is. I wonder if she's praying that someday Ed McMahon would arrive on her porch with a big check. And now, ladies and gentlemen, introducing guest ring announcer for the Hair vs. Hair Managers match. Ladies and gentlemen, the first lady of wrestling, the very lovely Missy Hyatt. And ladies and gentlemen, Missy Hyatt is accompanied by the world-renowned hairstylist, Jay Tupper, who will shave the hair of the loser of this following contest. Uh, Jay Tapper in a wonderful gold suit. JR and Bob Cottle are on the call for this one. I think I heard Bob drunkenly burp and make some sort of, like, I'm turned on sound as Missy Hyatt arrived. He was like, and then he just got silent. Um, This match is one file to finish. It's hair versus hair. Introducing from Minnesota, 200 pounds is precious Paul Ellery. Now, Paul is already in the ring. He's got a red windbreaker on and a massive amount of exposed chest hair. I hear the funky doom music. And his opponent making his way to the ring from Atlanta. He's Theodore R. Long, but he's better known as Sugar Ray Long. Teddy 
is in full Teen Wolf 2 cosplay here. He's wearing a boxing helmet with gloves and boxing trunk style tights and a robe. The only thing missing is replacing the Funky Doom song with the montage song from Teen Wolf 2 with Jason Bateman wins all them boxing matches. Who do you want to be today? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be today? Do you want to be some like just one on TV? Just like somebody on TV! Yeah, I fucked up the words, so what? You think I'm going to do a second take of me sporadically singing that song? Fuck you! Uh, as Teddy enters, he even does the player-player Mac Militant gyrations, like an early version of it. It's quite comical. The bell rings, and here we go! Now it's time to gather evidence. Remember, even though we enjoyed the Robocop comma, uh, communication conversation and the Teen Wolf 2 theme song... This is what matters. Only the bell-to-bell action. Ellerine is attempting to remove his windbreaker. Teddy rushes forward with quick strikes. He then pulls the Kenny Woo shades of the Junior Goodwill Games and uses the jacket to obstruct the view of the Precious One. Fists of sparks and slight unhappiness rain down some more, and the ref asks for separation. Teddy Long... Arms in the air, does the O'Doyle rules, and then hits a big Looney Tunes wind-up. Punch that only gets two. JR lets us know that Teddy Long is a former two-time long-distance runner at Theodore Long State, and wonders if he aspires to someday compete in the Iditarod. Come on, mush player, mush. I tell you what, you dogs don't mush harder, you're going one-on-one with the Undertaker. Paul fights back with a goozle, but the referee makes Paul break the goozle due to it being an illegal choke-esque maneuver. As the referee is admonishing Paul, Teddy puts one glove into the air, his right glove, and he sort of tugs on it. He then hits a quick jab-esque punch with said glove. Only a two count. Paul uses his hairy arm power to yank the right glove off of Teddy. Teddy is getting Irish whipped and yells, Time out! Precious Paul Ellering hits a reverse elbow, a body slam, and now Ellering has the glove. He puts it on his own right hand. No, he decides to hold it and takes a baseball-like batter stance with the glove. Teddy stands up. Ellering with a Sosa-esque swing. It connects. One, two, he got him. Three. Okay, so I'm going to pause here. I'm not going to bother with the post-match shenanigans because I, I read Pray Tell that they're quite bad, and I don't want that to alter my opinion because, after all, that's not the match, and I could feel like if someone watched this and then the haircutting took forever and didn't go well, that might influence their decision, and I don't want that to happen. So, look. This match was 1 minute and 57 seconds long, okay? And even though... It was punch, elbow, body slam. I mean, that's it. Punch, elbow, body slam. They didn't fuck it up. God help me with this next statement. They were able to get the story across of the glove-based shenanigans. And look, they were quick about this. There were no botches. And I mean what I say about the glove thing. These matches, these manager versus manager matches, are just any match with two non-wrestlers, okay? Like... If they try to tell a story, oftentimes it's going to be too much for them to focus on and they're going to botch it up. But they did this fine. No execution nonsense aside. I mean, they were moving a little bit slower than your average independent contractor that's in the ring. But come on. No issues here. Absolutely not guilty. 
Not even two minutes of my time. The fuck off, really? Negative two and a half? I mean, how serious do you take yourself? I really seriously have to ask that. I mean, Reggie White and Mongo is the worst match on this show that we've covered, according to my opinion, okay? That thing was like 18 minutes long, and how do you say that this match is worse? I mean, really? I don't understand it. I'm not a scientist, but how the fuck can you even make that comparison? Anywho, it's time to move on to match number two, because Teddy Long and Paul Ellering are not guilty and free to go. It's Super Brawl 4, coming at us from February 20th, 1994, from Albany, Georgia, in the Albany Civic Center. Uh, this pay-per-view centers around a rematch between Ric Flair and Big Van Vader in a Thunderdome cage for the World Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Gold. Of course, we're not here to talk about that match. We're here to talk about Jungle Jim Steele taking on the equalizer Denzel Washington. Now, you may know Jim Steele from such organizations as ECW or All Japan Pro Wrestling, or perhaps from his alternate ring name, Wolf Hawkfield, which also kind of makes it sound like he might be an X-Man from the early 90s. The equalizer is, of course, not Denzel Washington, but Evad Sullivan, making his second appearance here on Starman, also his second appearance from a Super Brawl show, because we previously covered Kevin Sullivan taking on Evad Sullivan at Super Brawl 5 when the Mega Brothers explode. Tony and Bobby the Brain Heenan on the call here with some context. Well, there really isn't a damn bit of context. It's a lower card match showcase uh, for one of these two athletes. Which one? Well, we'll have to solve that mystery together. It reeks of a WCW Pro made event anywhere in the country. Gary Michael Capetta lives, and he's back here in 1994. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest of Super Brawl 4, it is set for one fall. Introducing first, from Dodge City, Kansas, 303 pounds, the Equalizer. Equalizer with a mullet that would shame most other mullets, and a black leather vest, and black trunks. I don't know anything about this character. Luckily, Tony, on the call... Equalizer, a guy that has a bad day seemingly every day. I hear a sound of some somewhat tribal drums, so let's go back to Gary Michael Capetta. And ladies and gentlemen, his opponent from the Florida Everglades, Jungle Jim Steele. Along with the drums in this music, we also get some animal sounds. Tarzan Boy, this is not. Man, I love Tarzan Boy. It has nothing to do with that wrestler in AEW using it. I first encountered Jungle Boy in the trailers for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, The Secret of the Time Travel Stick. I just loved it ever since. Jungle Jim Steele sprints to the ring, and oh my god, he's a he's like a hybrid of Superfly Jimmy Snuka, the Texas Tornado Carrie Von Erich, Babyface 1996 Conan, and Unmasked Rey Mysterio rolled up into one human. I can't explain it, but it's true. He climbs the top rope and does some Ultimate Warrior hand movements. On commentary, Bobby the Brain Heenan is yelling, Hey, Tuts! Trying to get a ring girl to come sit on his lap. The bell rings, and here we go with the evidence. <clears throat> a Jungle Jim Steel gets the equalizer in an arm ringer. It's so elementary that Jungle Jim Steel pauses each step of the way, so he lets the audience know what's happening. It's like, turn! Arr, this is tough. More turn. Arr, this is tough. Now I'm going over my head. Oh, can I do it? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Like, it's really bad. Like, first day power plan shit. 
Uh, announcers let us know Jungle Jim Steele is in his first pay-per-view encounter, which might explain the arm ringer. Bobby says, Hey, look at the fur on the Equalizer's boots. I think those are Hair Jordans. Thank you, Bobby. The crowd is dead silent. Equalizer counters with his own arm bar, called an inside arm bar as well by Tony Schiavone. About a minute into this match, Tony says it's now officially Jungle Jim Steele's longest match to date in the wars of WCW. So they've clearly been hiding this guy in squash matches. No wonder he came out and did the warrior-type posing. Terrible dropkick delivered by a Jungle Jim Steele. He whips the equalizer into the corner. Jungle Jim charges in for the monkey flip, and he falls backwards as he leans. <laughs> God. Tony tries to save this, I mean, like, well, Equalizer pushed him there, brain. Uh, Equalizer then hits the big leg drop, shades of his hero, dude. Equalizer then tosses Jungle Jim outside like a sack of potatoes. Bobby on the call. Hey, Tony, isn't a Jungle Jim something your kids play on? Back in the ring, bear hug by the Equalizer. It's so boring, the camera actually cuts to Tony and Bobby, a commentary, and it's and it's getting them from behind. So just for a second, folks, you just see Tony and Bobby's like silhouettes from behind, and the match is happening in the background. I got some real Mystery Science Theater 3000 vibes, and I really think that WWE should just hire some funny fucking announcers, or even, well, they can't get Tony, it's too bad, but like, hire somebody. Hire some people to come and do like a half-hour like. Do one episode a week. I would watch this shit out of it. I really fucking would. I mean, kind of shades of the Huckster and Nacho Man sketch, except do it with actual bad matches like Hogan Warrior from Halloween Havoc. Like, I don't know. Like, it seems so easy to fucking produce. And why? I don't know. Enough. Enough. Uh, Jungle Jim in this bear hug. He counters with ear claps, but the equalizer still in control. Later in the match, the Jungle Jim Steel fucker hits a crucifix pin, Shades of SummerSlam 92. Also Shades of SummerSlam 92, Jungle Jim is completely blown up and can barely move or hold the pinning predicament. Jungle Jim and Equalizer both back up to a vertical base. They charge at one another and both do their own versions of the Stone Cold Steve Austin patented little gut kick and hit one another at the same time. Unfortunately, there's no Matrix-esque shockwave to send them both flying to their doom. Uh, Equalizer then locks in a reverse chin touch. See, I'm not going to call it a reverse chin lock, because he's pretty much just touching the chin of a jungle Jim steel. I I don't know what to tell you, folks. It's just what's happening. Jungle Jim again fights back, but then, like earlier, tossed to the outside like said sack of potatoes. On the outside, though, Jungle Jim Steele fires up, getting the crowd into this one. Not really. He charges in and barely lifts the Equalizer for an atomic drop. He then dropkicks Equalizer with all the force of a cooling breeze. Equalizer whips Jungle Jim Steele into the ropes. Equalizer makes the mistake of putting his head down. Jungle Jim Steele fucks up a kick. I mean, the kick happens, but it's in, like, extra super slow motion and looks pathetic. Equalizer pops his head up. Clothesline from the Everglades delivered by a Jungle Jim Steel. Jungle Jim Steel then hits a Luthes press. Tony yells, it's the Steel Trap! (laughs) 
Jungle Jim's balls are dangling on the equalizer's nose. You see, this is Jungle Jim Steel's finish, the steel trap. So he kind of lands with a variant pinning predicament. The equalizer's legs are shimmying in the air, indicating a struggle for freedom. The referee, one, two, three, he's done it! Someone, please bring back the steel trap. It's now officially the greatest move in the history of our sport. Absolutely guilty on this match. Why push this guy? Man, they were desperate for a fucking Jim Hellwig, man. I mean, this guy, and then you'd get the Renegade. Awful, awful, awful. And speaking of awful, coming up next, our big main event. It comes to us. From Vince Russo's Halloween Havoc 2000, ripped straight from the pages of former show WCW Must Die, it's Ian, the Vampiro Maniac, taking on that 70s guy, Mike Awesome. Let's gather some context here for our main event encounter. So, it's taking place at the historic MGM Grand Garden Arena. Now, I was going to say in Las Vegas, but according to Wikipedia, this thing is actually in Paradise, Nevada, as opposed to Vegas. So is this the Paradise City that we've heard so much about? You know, I always thought Paradise City was an imaginary city, city <laughs> imaginary city, like I'm drunk as fuck, uh, from the DC Universe. You know the cities I'm talking about. Gotham City, Central City, Coast City, Opal City, Keystone City, Jump City, National City. Gateway City, how many more does he have? No, that's it. Gateway City's the last one. It's the 12th annual and final WCW version of Halloween Havoc. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to apologize up top. But it's one of those tongue-in-cheek, sorry-not-sorry apologies. This pay-per-view is called by an absolutely legendary, and I might add, my favorite broadcast trio of all time, that being Tony Schiavone, Mark Madden, and Stevie Ray. So if I overindulge in any commentary shenanigans, you were warned up top. Let's see what context we can muster even further. So I hear some funky dubbed music, and here comes that 70s guy. We flash back to September 18th on Nitro. Mike Awesome powerbombs a really stupid-looking vampiro that's wearing ICP makeup and uh, ICP-styled garb from the ring to the outside and through a table in what Tony calls a special hardcore challenge match. In this recap, we see Awesome pins vampiro on the outside of the ring. Tony says, and I quote, We had forgotten about that night, but that was a night vampiro had not forgotten about, and we found out about it this past week. So, fans, we had a Nitro on the 18th. I just plum forgot all about it, fans. Mike Awesome here is shades of John Morrison, mainly because his hair is all blown out, and I see some similarities. I then hear the broke-ass ICP song, You've got to take it! Take it! You know the one from the WCW Mayhem album. And here comes Ian. Ian! The Vampire Warrior, of course, you may recall, had an entire episode of Negative 2 matches dedicated to him earlier. 
that covered the many unique match configurations in which he was an active combatant in the summer of 2000. Well, here in the fall of 2000, we can get an implication of how much further he has fallen. Stevie lets us know this is the match he came to see. He's been waiting for it all night. Now, pause. One of the best things I love about Stevie Ray commentary is that everything he says is laced with sarcasm, but delivered in a way that is absent of sarcasm. And when people call him on it, he digs deeper into the fictional narrative that he has spun rather than walk it back. Keep that in mind. Uh, loyal listeners, Ian Vampiro, the vampiromaniac here, aware, arrives wearing a spiked leather bustier that strangely starts under his bosoms and is carrying a samurai-style sword. We cut to footage from last Monday, and we see Vampiro. According to Tony, he's up in a DJ Rand position, and he choke slams Crowbar. He choke slams Crowbar. One more time, because Hitchcock says three times. He choke slams Crowbar through the two tables and wins the match. Vampiro, back in the arena, tepidly walks to the ring. Stevie Ray notes that Mike Awesome has taken his threads off. He never does that, Tony. He's serious here. Another thing I love about Stevie Ray commentary, after Stevie Ray makes ludicrous statements or ludicrous claims, he almost always ends that sentence with Tony. Clearly attempting to put Tony Schiavone in an awkward position where he has to either affirm the outrageous claim or start an argument against it. Oftentimes, Tony no-sells, but sometimes, just sometimes, he will audibly chuckle. We are informed by Madden that tomorrow night, Mike Awesome takes on whomever will be the WCW Heavyweight Champion of the World. Tony says, yes, fans, tomorrow night on Nitro. However, the closed caption says, yes, fans, tomorrow night on Brawl. You seriously cannot make this shit up. The entrances are over. Ian has a microphone. Let's see what he has to say. I've come here to fight. I've come here to kick your ass, Mike Awesome. And besides that, not only am I going to bring it, you say you're such a tough guy. Tomorrow night is scheduled, and you got a championship match because you're just a big guy on the block right now. How about tonight? If I beat you here in Las Vegas, why don't you put that title shot on the line? And if I kick your ass here tonight, I get that title shot, big guy. Stevie yells, how about that, Tony? Madden says it's a good move by Vampiro to put Mike Awesome on the spot. Awesome now has the stick. Eh, Vampiro, I'm so confident that I can kick your ass, Vampiro, that I will give you that shot. If you beat me, then you take over my title shot tomorrow on Monday Nitro. The crowd boos. The bell rings. Context is complete. So here we go with the main event. The case of Mike Awesome versus Vampiro. Right from the get-go, Stevie Ray says, Well, if Mike Awesome loses tonight, he doesn't deserve the title shot. Right, Tony? Uh, some power moves early, and Vampiro is knocked outside the ring. Tony says, Vampiro said, I'm not even here to win tonight. I'm here to beat you up. Stevie replies, That's not what he said, Tony. And folks, Stevie is absolutely correct. Vampiro clearly said he was going to kick Mike Awesome's ass and win. 
and then win the title shot. So what the fuck, Tony? Stevie caught you. That's another thing Stevie does. He catches you. So you got to be on your feet. Vampiro walks around the ring, rubbing his arm, looking honestly as if he's holding back tears. Mike Awesome hits a tope suicida, and of course, lands right on top of Vampiro. Now, as Vampiro is on the ground with Mike Awesome on top of him, he's not selling pain. Honestly, he looks unamused and puts both arms up into the air like an uninterested sexual partner. Mike Awesome then gets whipped into the security rail and the camera totally misses it. Stevie Ray on his feet. Did you see that, Tony? (laughs) You see what he did there? You see how sharp Stevie is? Like, nobody saw it. Nobody saw it, Tony. But of course, did you see that, Tony? Fucking love it. He's got Tony right where he wants him. Oh my God in heaven. Mike Awesome is behind the security railing. Vampiro runs, but gets back body dropped over the railing and lands on a woman sitting near ringside and she is rocked right out of her fucking chair. One row in front of the woman that got knocked on her ass is an elderly woman. Like she's so old, she's wearing a sweater with a cat on it and she has white hair. Can you imagine if they hit this woman? Jesus Christ. I fucking love this. Stevie, on commentary, throws shade at the woman that got hit, saying she should have been watching the show. She had a back turn, Tony. Why wasn't she watching the show, Tony? The guys are in the crowd now, and they're climbing the steps. Stevie says, look at that. Mike Awesome just broke into a sprint. Mike Awesome was just walking casually. Tony's like, did you mean he broke into a sweat? Mark says, well, I don't know about a sweat or a a sprint, but it looks like more like a sachet, Tony. And Stevie Ray just loses it and starts busting out laughing. Vampiro, back in the crowd, finds a microphone stand. Now, it's pathetic because there's a small section of seats that have caution tape all around it, and they clearly put the mic there so nobody would sit there. Oh, it's so bad. Then, he grabs a cane from a fan. Stevie Ray yells, That cripple guy just walked in here with the cane. He took that thing back from him, Tony. I was watching him. Holy shit. After Vampiro hits Awesome with the cane, an actual fan from Halloween Havoc 2000 in Paradise City attacks Mike Awesome. Real security forces this guy to the ground. Awesome follows up and starts punching the shit out of him. Stevie Ray makes the call. Oh, that cripple guy just tried to fight back. Tony responds, fans, please, I beg you, do not try that. Stevie retorts, Oh, Tony, if somebody took my cane, Tony, I'm going to fight you for it, baby. The boys scurry back to the ring. Vampiro mounts the announce table. He claps. Mike Awesome turns around. Vampiro leaps and hits the clothesline from Transylvania. Stevie, however, has words for the vampire warrior. That son of a just stepped on my hand, Tony. Tony, I'm going after him. Tony pleads, No, Stevie, please, stay put. Stevie Ray luckily abides. Vampiro tosses Mike inside. Vampiro then grabs a chair, tosses the chair inside, and just walks away. I guess he doesn't care if Awesome grabs it. Uh, Vampiro goes to another corner and grabs another chair. We cut to the ring and see that Mike Awesome is already up at full strength with the first chair in his hands. Vampiro has a chair of his own, mounts the steps, and enters the ring. Tony Schiavone on the call! 
It's like samurai warriors about to battle it out. Both men have the chairs at the ready. They swing. They're lightsaber chair fighting. Awesome. Loses his chair. He pleads for mercy. Vampira will hear none of this. He winds up for a big swing. And he swings. Slower than the lady in the crowd with the cat sweater would swing. Mike Awesome ducks. Hits a little gut kick. Irish whip. Vampiro ducks a clothesline from Wisconsin. Vampiro grabs the chair. He politely tosses it to Mike. Awesome catches the chair. But now he's holding it dangerously close to his own face. Vampiro leaps. Hits a jumping bent knee kick Vampironator. It looks pathetic. It looks convoluted. Mike Awesome is a pro, so he sells it and lays down for a two count. Mike Awesome fights back, throws Vamp into the corner, and charges. Vampiro runs out to meet him and puts his hand near Mike Awesome's face. You see, I think Vampiro just doesn't want to be here because it's like he charges out and throws the tiniest, least effort clothesline you've ever seen. Mike, because he's a pro, sells a full clothesline. Tony says, he hit him on the noggin. Stevie says, not, what'd you say? You heard me. I said noggin. Oh, I thought you said bloggin', Tony. <laughs> Mark Madden says Vampiro looks like he's running out of gas, so this match is going to come down to who has more heart. Mike Awesome climbs to the top rope. Vampiro cuts him off, and Jesus Christ, both men are standing on the top turnbuckle. Vampiro wraps up Mike Awesome in a big hug. Vampiro falls backwards. Mike Awesome falls forward. Um, so yeah, Vampiro, like I said, he falls backwards. He's supposed to be overhead tossing Mike Awesome, but makes no effort to toss Mike Awesome. Awesome, again, because he's a pro, flips forward to sell this overhead toss. But without Vampiro's extra momentum on the toss, Awesome just kind of lands on his feet. And God help me, Mike Awesome, even though he landed on his feet, does a flare flop to make it look like Vampiro did something. Look, pause for one second. I don't know what the fuck is up with Vampiro here. Mike Awesome, yes, he's selling shit he shouldn't be, but I... In my opinion, he's just trying to hold on to something. I know Mike Awesome is not a flawless person. I'm not saying that he is. But in this particular encounter, I think most of this is falling on Vamp's shoulders. The crowd, very unamused. Vampiro covers. One, two, no. Vampiro then climbs to the top rope. Mike Awesome stands up. Vampiro leaps forward in a hurricane run-up position. However, Mike Awesome gives Vampiro a taste of his own medicine and doesn't catch Vampiro at all. So it looks like Vamp was just going for Doink's whoopee cushion finish. The best part of this whole sequence is watching the fear in Vampiro's eyes as he realizes Mike Awesome is not going to catch him. Stevie Ray springs into action on commentary. What was that, Tony? Well, that was an attempt uh, almost like a Luthas press off the top. Mike Awesome covers Vampiro, so it looks like the spot was catch me, powerbomb me. 
Stevie then throws Vampiro under the bus, saying, Well, he's gained like 25 pounds since we last saw him, Tony. Awesome gets a ring from under the table. Tony says, Mike Awesome brought the tables to the forefront of WCW when he joined us in April of this year. Apparently, tossing Public Enemy and their contributions under the same bus as Stevie Ray. Mark Madden straight up says, "Uh, You know, guys, none of these guys look crisp tonight. Mike Awesome extends the legs of the table in his hands and just tosses it at Vampiro like a sack of potatoes. Stevie Ray then plays detective. Uh, Tony, Tony, nobody said anything about hardcore rules. Why is this legal, Tony? Tony says nothing. Back in the match, Vampiro rams Mike Awesome's face into the table. Well, he misses the table by a country mile, but Awesome sells it regardless. Vampiro then hits the nail in the coffin. Mark Madden yells, Spike! For some reason. Vampiro rolls outside. Stevie Ray, knowing full well that Vampiro beat Crowbar last week by throwing him through tables, as I mentioned thrice, yells, Oh, that's the move he used to beat Crowbar, right, Tony? Tony indulges Stevie Ray by saying, Well, it's one of the moves he used last week. Vampiro is looking under the ring. He can't find whatever it is he's looking for. He checks three of the four ring sides. He still can't find it. Rather than just saying fuck it and looking under the last side, he yells at the referee and rolls inside. He throws a clothesline at Mike Awesome that is ducked. Mike Awesome hits a clothesline. Vampiro decides to sell the clothesline by standing, falling to his knees, and then falling forward. Mike Awesome climbs to the top turnbuckle, ready to splash on Vampiro. Vampiro doesn't want to be there and rolls out of the ring clearly at full strength and speed, just not wanting to take the move. Mike Awesome follows. We're now real close to the WCW announce table. Mike sets up Vampiro in the powerbomb position, ready to put him through the WCW announce table. Right as Mike Awesome is lifting him, the referee runs over to Mike Awesome and whispers in his ear. Mike Awesome has Vampiro up, ready to powerbomb him through the announce table. The whisper occurs, and Awesome pivots and just does a sit-out powerbomb onto the floor. I'm assuming the referee told him that some other match had the table reserved. I mean, I don't, like, what is this? What's happening? The ref counts two on the outside, by the way, after the sit-out powerbomb. World's greatest detective Stevie Ray says nothing, but come the fuck on, now it's pitfalls count anywhere? (sighs) Mike tosses Vampiro inside and climbs up top. Vampiro is up, and I cannot fucking believe it, fans, but after everything that's happened, both men are once again standing on the top turnbuckle. Now, Vampiro is crouched forward, okay? Awesome pounds on Vampiro's back and then hits a low blow. Vamp doesn't react to the low blow because, frankly, he's already crouched forward in the position he needs to be in. Mike Awesome gingerly gets into position, stalls, stalls, double checks, stalls. God help me. Here we go. A top rope diving awesome bomb. Safely delivered, I suppose. I guess as safely as it could have been. But holy shit, Vampiro gets some air. 
This is the most dangerous fucking thing I've seen in a long time. And the way this fucking match was going, wow, I would have called it audible. I mean, fucking clothesline. One, two, three, let's get out of here. I cannot believe they did this. Awesome covers. One, two, three. Tony makes the call. Mike Awesome going on to Nitro tomorrow night. Vampiro clearly going to the hospital. And we end our scene. Wow. Look, I got to be honest with you guys. And I knew this coming in. This is one of my all-time favorite matches. Now, I'm telling you, you got to remember, I like bad matches. Like, a train wreck like this is gold for me. I love it. I love watching everything fall apart. I love it. If you are like me and you like this type of shit, this is a five-star classic, okay? I mean, it's guilty. I want to make that very clear. I mean, I'm staying true. I'm just I'm just telling you this personally. I'm going to stay true to the format of the show. Like, it's guilty. Like, it's a bad match. I'm honestly surprised Dave didn't do uh, a higher ranking, like negative three, four, something like that, you know? Like, I'm really surprised because it, it falls apart hard, all right? But like I said, if... Like, I want to make this clear. If you like the type of shit like I, this is all time. And you throw in the commentary. Like, I I know I talked about it in detail. I tried to give the prefaces about what Stevie does so so you could see it from my point of view. Like, I, I just love it, man. I know it's business exposing. Like, I know it's bad. Like, I know it's honestly, like, bad form to do that to your coworkers. Like, I do. I get all of that, but I I can't help it. Like the person in me that just loves like comedy and 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 I don't know, like I don't know how to describe it. So when I say that I love Tony, Stevie, and Mark on commentary, like I fucking mean it. Like I realize it's a shit take, I, but I mean it. Like it does it for me. I'm thoroughly entertained. I told you it was our main event, and by God, I meant it. But if you like this, guys, plenty more of this to come. As we're inching closer to negative three, negative four, negative five. I mean, this is just negative two and a half. Can you imagine what's coming in the future? But if you want to know what's coming in the future, folks, you've got to subscribe to us here on the new TNN so you get notified when these new episodes drop. But for all of us here on the new TNN, Jim Ross, Bob Cottle, RoboCop was here. Bobby the Brain, Heenan, uh, Mark Madden, Tony Schiavone. Oh, I already said Tony Schiavone. No, Tony Schiavone's here. Uh, he was here twice. It doesn't matter. And of course, Stevie Ray. I'm Johnny C. A winner is you. And we are Pop on the new TNN.